Hello, my name is Wade Sharp. I am a second year student at Providence Baptist College, and welcome to Maverick Messages, where you will hear the soul-stirring sermons that we hear each and every school day. Please enjoy the following Maverick message. Second Corinthians chapter number four, verse number five, are you there? Yes. Okay, now before we read that, I'm gonna to read to you 2 Timothy 2.20. So hopefully you could do two things at once. <laughs> Well, I guess it's just one thing. Just listen to me read. All right. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Now let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 5. For we preach not ourselves... Amen. Every preacher in here ought to thank God we're not preaching ourselves. Amen. That would be a very lame message every time, right? And uh, thankfully, we don't have to do that. We're not supposed to do that. We preach Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I'm going to look at a few minutes this morning on a treasure in earthen vessels, a treasure in earthen vessels. Heavenly Father, we pray for your help this morning, Lord. I really need you. I really need you because I believe this message is, is very important and somebody in here needs it. And I'm not adequate to deliver it, Lord. So I, I'm praying for your power, for your help, for your wisdom, direction, guidance. Lord, help me to leave out what is not important, what doesn't need to be said. Lord, help me not to skip over or miss the really crucial thing that you want somebody to hear this morning. Lord, may the power of your word uh, do a work in our hearts. Lord, and, and uh, cause us to, to have a desire to be more like you and be submitted and surrendered to you, Lord. I pray that you would help in Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at here in 2 Timothy 2.20, the Bible talks about a great house. I want to, first of all, focus on that great house. It says in a great house, there's all these vessels. And uh, when we're looking at uh, the great house, we're talking about the house of God. And the Bible says, Psalm David said, I'd rather, uh, he, he said, uh, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. This is a great house. I've been going to church for 37 years. It's a long time, okay? Um, out of that number of years, there's been 25 of those years have been at Northwest Bible Baptist Church. It's been the same church I've been going to for 25 years. Not only that, but when we started coming to church, we also started coming to the school. And we also were going, so I guess I started the second year going soul wedding on Saturday. So most of those 25 years, I've been going to the same building every day of the week. Seven days out of seven days. Uh, after I graduated high school, I was working at the church, so I was still going there every day. I would get down here in college, and I would go back to the church. I've been going to that same building every day of my life for the last 25 years. It's a lot of time to go to some place every day. But you know what? The older I get and the longer I've been going there, the more I can identify with David when he says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. I don't, I'm not getting bored or tired of my church. I'm getting more excited. As I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize man, what a privilege it is to be able to have a church that I got to have. I'm not getting tired of it. I'm not getting bored of it. Why? It's a great house. It's a great house. And many of you come from many churches. You can look back at your church and say, 
I have experienced being a part of a great house. The house of the Lord is a great house. I didn't say it's a perfect house because it's made up of people and people aren't perfect, but it's a great house. It's a, it's a house where God convicted me of my need for salvation. I'm not going to get into my testimony today. I didn't get saved at church, but that's where God started working in my heart, convicting me that I wasn't saved as a 13-year-old, knowing every invitation that I was lying when I put up my hand. Yeah, I'm saved. You know, I'm saved. And then, you know, if you raise your hand if you're not saved. Oh, I keep my hand down. I knew I was lying. I was convicted about it. That's where, in that house, is where God started working on me and pulling me and, and wooing me to him. That house is where God has spoken to me personally, on a personal level. I got to thinking, Brother O, how many times has God spoken to me at that, in that building, just in that building right there? And, and some of you, grow, maybe you just started going to the church that you were going to before you came here. Maybe you've been going there your whole life. But, I mean, if you just, a little bit of math, you know, in 30 years of time, that's 6,000 messages, just, you know, just normal math. That's not adding in all the extra stuff. I mean, how out of, out of, we'll say 5,000, right? Whittle it down a little bit. But out of that, how many times did God speak to me during a message? Probably, probably not all because, I've, you know, you go through times where you're not hearing God speak, unfortunately. Shame to say that. But thousands of times, easily thousands of times, God spoke to me in that house. What a great house. What a great house. Man, in that great house, we learn about a great book. In, in, in 2 Kings, when Hilkiah, the high priest, he, he said to, to the scribe there, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Like it's some big, you know, like, man, I found the Bible in church. Can you believe it? I, I was just thinking that was funny, you know, like, well, yeah, you found the Bible in church. That's a good place for a Bible to be. In the house of God, we have a great book. You have in your hand today a great book. This isn't just a textbook. This isn't just something you read for your religion or for class. And this book is alive. It's inspired. This book is meat and milk. Milk and meat, honey and sweet. It's sharp and quick and true. It pierces and wounds. Its light shines on sin, reveals all within. A hammer, strong, powerful, breaks the impossible. But it binds and heals and comforts conceals, guides and directs with calming effect, answers and hope with unending scope. This world I've forsook since I've found this great book. It's a great book. It's a great book that teaches a great gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, risen, and coming again. That's a great gospel that we find in this great book. And Paul calls it the glorious gospel of Christ. It's a, it's, it's a, a mystery. Think about this. The gospel is such a mystery that it's really impossible to fully understand it. You know, obviously, you've got, to, you've got to know the gospel to be saved, but to fully understand it, it's impossible. And, and it, except for faith, except for if we had faith, it would be very, very difficult to believe this gospel message. I mean, if you think about it, and we're not going to take the time, but if you parse through, what exactly are we talking about the gospel, about God coming down in virgin birth, living a perfect life, being crucified? You know, his death was substitute for our sin. You go through all that, it's, it's really to really believe that is difficult, except for faith. But once you believe it, it becomes so clear, it becomes so, so simple, it's impossible to deny it. What a mystery of the gospel. It's a great gospel. And this great gospel enables a great salvation. Hebrews 2.3 calls it, if we neglect so great salvation. I hope you have a great salvation. 
And where's this great salvation come from? But a great God. You got a great God this morning? Psalm 77, 13. Who is so great a God is our God. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. We have a great God and a great God who does great things. Man, I could go on and on, but the Bible talks about the great things that God has done. Samuel said, consider how great things he has done for you. He's done great things in the past, I hope, in your life. You think about something God's done that's been great in your life, a great thing he's accomplished. What about Job 9.10 says, which doeth great things, past finding out. He's not done, but he's doing them right now. Man, I'm excited to see what God's doing right now in our church. I'm excited to see the visitors coming to church. I'm excited to see people. When you're going out so many, if, if you're going enough, you're going to find people that legitimately are searching for God. It's exciting to know that God is doing things right now, but also he's going to do great things. In Joel 2, he says, so the Lord will do great things. Man, we have great things that we get to witness done by a great God who gave us a great salvation through a great gospel taught by a great book that we find in a great house. And I'm thankful for a great house. I'm thankful for my church. We see this great house in 2 Timothy chapter 2, but if we keep looking, we also see there's some vessels in this, in this uh, house. These vessels are instruments that the master uses, and they're used for his benefit. And if you could picture a kitchen or a, a cabinet, a cupboard, where there's, there's all these different vessels, they're, they're formed by God. They're not formed on their own, and he fashions them as he pleases, and he needs them for different purposes. Just like if you were going to my kitchen and look at my cabin, I have all kinds of different vessels in there. And there's some that, you know, you just grab for the kids uh, when, when they need something. You don't want it to break, right? Or you maybe grab something a little nicer if you got a, a nice hot coffee you want to drink. Um, there's different sizes and capacities. There's different colors and shapes and, and, and uses and materials. And these vessels are not one size fits all. I got this cup for Christmas for my brother-in-law. It is, a, it is a, uh, a heated cup. It's not just a, uh, you know, you can plug in a uh, heating pad, right? But the cup itself heats, keeps the, the liquid heated. And because the, the cup is doing the heating, it has a sensor inside. It knows exactly the temperature of what you have. So not only I, could, I, I have my phone connects to the cup, and I set the temperature that I want. This is called an ember mug, okay? How many of you have heard of these before? I had no idea this existed until it ended up in my, in, as a Christmas gift. But Jeremy, this is one of those gifts you would never buy for yourself. But once somebody buys it for you, you're like, dude, this is the best thing ever. You know, but I would never spend $100 on a coffee mug. Now, trust me, my brother-in-law did not spend that money. He got it from somewhere for free or something. And, you know, he wouldn't, now I'm saying that, and he probably did. And if he hears this, he's going to be like, fine, I'm never getting you anything ever again. But... So I can set the temperature. If I want 135 degrees, if I want my, my coffee to be 135, I set it to 135, it'll stay 135. The battery lasts for like an hour, but you set it on the, on the, on the saucer there and it charges it. So I could sit it there and let it, uh, you know, pretty much indefinitely all day long. But uh, it's pretty cool. You don't know you need it until you do it, and then you never have to have that last sip where it's just lukewarm and you just got to drink it to get it out of the way. How many of you drink that last sip? You drink that last sip, you got to get the empty glass. How many of you, you just... Toss it. You just get rid of it. You don't drink coffee. Okay. All right. Some of you, okay. Uh, a lot of you are cold coffee drinkers. I got it. So, you know, that last sip is going to be watered down, though. Um, so, now, here's the thing. I had to start rethinking life's choices 
one day when I sat down and my phone was telling me I need to update the firmware in my cup. And here I am updating firmware in my coffee cup. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's like I wanted, a, I wanted an electric uh, uh, toothbrush, you know, just electric toothbrush, just, just electricity to move that, the, the brush. But all the ones you buy now, they have Bluetooth in them. Why does my phone need to talk to my toothbrush, you know? It's like, what in the stinking world? So you got the ember mug. I'll, I'll, I'll grab that a lot of times. But then you got, what, are there any girls here that have a Stanley thermos? I don't know why. It's like a, it's like a girl thing going through our youth group. Like, the, the girls want these Stanley thermoses. I know Stanley's not new, but... <laughs> My, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's Stanley thermoses for guys. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just, for some reason, for some reason, it's become a status symbol among among some of the ladies and the and the girls. And I don't know what it is. So the, I, I hate the cups. They, they don't, they, they don't stay. Like if you set them down, they're gonna fall over all the time. They leak. They, they're noisy. They're just obnoxious. They don't fit in any cup holders in our cars. It, they're ridiculous. They don't have any utility. But it's a status symbol. Um, here's the one cool thing about a thermos. Somehow it knows how to keep the hot stuff hot and the cold stuff cold, and you don't have to tell it which one you're putting in there. So I haven't figured out yet how they got that worked in. Uh, you got glass mugs, the old standby. Right? I drank out of a glass mug this morning. I, the ember was, I, I don't know, I put it somewhere and left it uncharged, right? So it's dead. So there's no point to that. Old glass mug, man. There's nothing like it. And uh, it's a good standby there. You got a lot of them because they're cheap. So then you're going to have more of a, a chance of one being clean. I don't have time to tell a story of Brother Ballard teaching us uh, Hebrews class over here. He's not here, so don't look over there. But he was teaching us in that classroom. And I was taking that class. My uh, future fiance was in that class, so I don't think we learned anything. But um, I remember this. It's the only thing I remember from Hebrews is that he, he brought a coffee cup to class, and he left it in the, in the thing unintentionally. He left it in the, uh, in the podium, and it had a drawer. So he put it in the drawer and closed it. Well, the next week he came in. He was just, you know, looking. For, he was looking for something. He opened the drawer. He's like, "Oh, it's my coffee," you know. And he's like, "Oh, you know." He just left it there again. And I get you. He, he left it there for like every every so often. He would check on it and and be like, "I wonder how long this will sit in here," you know. And I I can't remember how the story ended. I need to ask him. Like I want to say at the end of it, he was able to dump it upside down and the coffee didn't come out or something, you know. But I don't know for sure. It's it's so long ago. You got all kinds of different vessels, that's the point. You got, you got the red Solo cups, you know, those are iconic. Uh, styrofoam cups. All these different vessels are in the great house and they have different uses, they have different potentials, they have different utilities, but they're fashioned by the same person. And there's, there's distinction the Bible makes. It talks about vessels of gold and silver, but also talks about vessels of wood and vessels of earth. There's all different materials. But then it goes further and says, you know, some of these vessels are honorable and some of them are dishonorable. An honorable vessel, he describes it there, that is, is purged, is sanctified, is meat for the master's use, and is prepared unto every good work. Those are the, the properties of an honorable vessel. We know these vessels are formed by the, by the master, who is the father, who is God the father, because in Jeremiah 18.3, he gives us the illustration of the potter's house. He went down to the potter's wheel and potter's house, and he wrought a great work on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? 
As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. So God is forming these vessels, and he wants an honorable vessel. This vessel is a vessel that stays on the wheel even during the purging. And that's a difficult process. But purging will happen. It happens in, in life. It happens in Bible college. Purging is when God is getting out some imperfections. If you say, you know what, I'm already perfect. I don't have anything wrong with me. I guess then you could get mad at God when he purges you. But unless you're there going to say, I'm perfect and I have nothing that needs to change my life, don't get mad at God when he's using the purging process. You've got to stay on the wheel if you're going to be the honorable vessel. An honorable vessel is a vessel that has accepted the difficult process of being set apart in the fire. There's a kiln. There's a, there's a sanctification process. And for that to happen, the Bible says an honorable vessel has been purged. It's been sanctified. So it's set apart. There's a purpose for this vessel, and so it's going to be set apart. There's going to be some fire sometimes that comes through in the Christian life. It's going to take that purging to another level. It's going to be able to, to harden some things in our life that we, need to get, that we need to get solidified, that we need to really uh, get anchored down. It's going to come through some trials. It's going to come through some difficult times. I know we want everything to be perfect and easy, and we get mad when it's not. But this world needs Christians who are able to stand up in a hard, difficult time because that's what, the, that's what is coming for us as Christians. There's going to be persecution coming. There's going, to be, uh, there's going to be opposition come. We can't just lay down. And so that sanctification is going to help us to get to that point. An honorable vessel is a vessel that is available. What did he say there? He said it's meat for the master's use. And that vessel's there. It's, it's ready to be used. I, you know, if, if, I, if I'm going and looking for a vessel, I'm probably going to grab whatever I can find if it's on the counter. I really don't want to go looking up in the cupboard, looking up in the back of the, of the shelves up there. It's a big pain. You know, if there's one that's sitting there on the counter, that's the one I'm going to be using. So an honorable vessel, the Bible says, is meat for the master's use. Also, it's a vessel that's been conformed to the exact specification that its maker intended. He says, prepared unto every good work. See, the master has a, a work. He has a use for this vessel. And he wants to use it for a particular purpose and a particular reason. We're the vessel if you haven't made the leap yet. So he has a specification that he needs that vessel to be to perform the job that he has it to perform. It's different than, than another vessel. It's different than the person next to you. But whatever that specification is, he wants you to be exactly how he needs to be prepared into every good work. An honorable vessel doesn't bring honor to itself. It brings honor to the one who made it. We had a girl in our church gave us a, a mug she uh, had created out of mud from the Dead Sea. So she got, I don't know where she got it from, um, but she made, this, she made this coffee mug out of it. It's, pr it's pretty cool looking. Uh, very unique, obviously, handcrafted. Uh, and we got, that, we got that mug, and we took that home, and we, we started having a conversation with that mug saying, wow, Man, how, how did you make yourself out of the mud? Man, how did, th you, this is really cool, the way that you just kind of formed yourself. No, we didn't do that, did we? We, we? we looked to the maker. We looked to the girl and said, this is beautiful. Man, how did you do this? this is, thank you so much for thinking of us. This, this is really wonderful uh, how you were able to take that mud that's ugly and make it into something that is useful, something that looks good and is very unique. What did that vessel do? It brought honor to the maker. It caused us to look at the person who made it and say, wow, you really know what you're doing. An honorable vessel. And here's the thing. Did you notice when we looked at, when I was reading Jeremiah 18, did you notice what that vessel was made out of? <clears throat> he said he made, <clears throat> he had a vessel of clay. 
The vessel that he made was of clay. So it wasn't gold. It wasn't, it wasn't silver. It wasn't wood. It was clay. It was an earth vessel made out of the ground. See, the, the material that this vessel is made out of is not what makes the vessel honorable or dishonorable. Are you in 2 Timothy 2? All right, get over to 2 Timothy 2. That's where I was at, but I need you to get over there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Get there quick. We've got to land this plane. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of what? Gold and of silver, but also of and of earth. Semicolon, stop. There's all kinds of different vessels. Okay? Now, here's another thought here. And some of these gold and silver and wood and earthen vessels are to honor. And some of these gold and silver and earthen and wooden vessels are to dishonor. See, the material is not what makes it honorable or dishonorable. You, you, you're not born into it. It's if you're purged or sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Those are the properties that makes it honorable. Wood can be an honorable vessel. Clay can make an honorable vessel. You know, gold does have a lot of value, but it also uh, does have some downsides to it. Some properties that make it difficult to form, make it difficult to work with, but man, it does have value to it. Just like an ember mug, there's some cool things about that mug, but there's also some downsides. Uh, one time I just about put it in the microwave to heat, heat it back up because the battery was dead and I wanted a hot coffee. Don't do that. You can't put it in there. You can put the glass mug in the microwave. There's some upsides and downsides to every material, but the material doesn't make the difference between honorable and dishonorable. It's not the material. It's the purging, the sanctification, the conformity to the master's plan, and the availability for the master's use. Romans 9.21, hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and unto another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy? What is that talking about? Let's, let's look here at uh, verse number, uh, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I know you, you moved over here to 2 Timothy. Go back over where we started. 2, Timothy, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. We're talking about uh, vessels that, that are honorable, that God has formed. Not only are we have a great house and we have these vessels, but we see also a treasure, a treasure. Look at verse number 5, 2 Corinthians 4, 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's talking here about a treasure he's going to reference in the next verse. This is a treasure of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the most amazing treasure that God could have that he could put down here on this earth. God took this treasure and he brought it down to earth in the form of Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again, is ascended into heaven. And so what, how do God has this treasure of the gospel? And he has to put it in a vessel. He has to put it in a treasure chest. He has to put it in a container somewhere here and store it and keep it and use it. So this treasure God chose to place, I would have thought he would pick a treasure chest that is very... Uh, majestic, that can that that very uh, honorable to what the contents are, um, 
I don't, I, I'm trying to think now, going through the Bible, how many times an angel appeared to somebody and that person just, and eh, not interested, slammed the door in their face. <laughs> Usually not. Usually not. Uh, John, John had an angel show up to him in the temple. Uh, was it before or after that that he didn't believe? And, and he then got struck with, you know, he couldn't speak, and, and then that caused him to believe. But, I mean, I can't think. Most of the time when an angel shows up in the Bible, you know, sword, I don't know if they had the wings, you know, whatever. We, but the, the angel showed up, man, people fell on their face. They had the attention. They were listening. They obeyed. They believed, right? Some pretty amazing fantastical things were said by these angels and people believed them. So why wouldn't God put his treasure of the gospel and give it to the angels? Have them come to earth. Man, we want to get the gospel to everybody? Send the angel door to door. Good night, man. Can you imagine an angel walking down, you know, Providence subdivision? Two angels knocking on the door? Hey, yeah, uh, you know, they got, the, they got the shining glow. They got the flaming torch of God. And they're bringing the message, bringing the gospel. Man, at least people wouldn't know it. And people wouldn't shut the door right away because they, they see something. And this, they, they, there's something to this message. If God, God could do that. He could use the angels, but he didn't. What did he use for this treasure? What did he place this invaluable treasure in? Look at verse number seven. We're already there. Why put such a valuable treasure? We have this treasure in what? In gold and silver. No. We have this treasure in what? In earthen vessels. Man, God decided that he was going to take this treasure of the gospel. He's going to take this story of his grace, his love for mankind, and put it, the story, in earthen vessels. Man, imagine that. I get to be the treasure chest. I get to be the container for this valuable treasure. What amazing. Why did, why did God do this? He could have used angels. He could have used a number of different things. More worthy than me. Man, I'm just, I know who I am. I'm nothing special. God, why would you do this? Well, keep reading. He tells us, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of what? May be of who? I can't hear you this morning. Man, you are dead. May be of what? Of God and not of us. Man, the reason God entrusted me with the gospel is so when people see the gospel, they see me. They see the maker of the vessel and say, what amazing maker, what amazing creator. Where God will get the glory. You know, we don't, we don't want to, we, we think, well, I'm not, I'm not a qualified to, to, to be a preacher. I'm not qualified to be in ministry because I'm just, I, I'm not good at talking. I can't talk to people out about something because I'm just shy. I'm just, I'm not bombastic. I don't have a good personality for that. And God's saying, hey, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for just a vessel that I can put the gospel in. So that way, the glory doesn't go to the vessel. People don't look at the vessel like so many TV preachers and all those, you know, all that non-John stuff out there. All, they all have their, you know, you, they, they all have their name, their brand, their, you know, they, 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 that's how they do things out there in this fake, false social gospel out there. It's all about the person. It's all about the messenger. It's all about who it is and all the great things they say. And there's no emphasis on the, on the creator, the one who actually made the gospel possible, this great God who gave us a great gospel and a great book. Man, the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. But we look at it, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. Man, this is us as earthen vessels. We're perplexed. We have no idea what's going on. But because of God, we are not in despair. Man, we're persecuted. It's hard. It's difficult sometimes to stand up to this persecution. But hey, I got news for you. We're not forsaken. Cast down 
And we feel like we're just left alone, but we're not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, I'm just an earthen vessel. I'm just an earthen vessel. I'm not even in the gold. I'm not in the silver. I, I'm not even made out of wood. I'm just earth. I'm just a clay. But God has put allowed his treasure to be put in earthen vessels. He's looking for some earthen vessels to put his treasure in. And God chose us. Paul talks about that at a different point. He says, I'm a chosen vessel. And God chose to put this precious treasure in earthen vessels so that God can get the glory and not us. It's not about us. It's not about us. And when we think it is, that's where pride creeps in and says, you know what, I'm just not good enough to. Is God good enough to? See, he just needs a vessel. And he's already chosen you as a vessel. Yeah. It's not about how good we think we are. Some It's about our surrender yeah. at the end of the day. God, I'm a vessel. Use me as I am. God wants to pour in his grace, pour in his gospel, pour in his salvation, so that vessel can be used to pour into somebody else. Here's the application here, and we're going to go. There's two applications, very simple. Mark 2.22 says, No man put his new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. That principle there is the contents have to match the container. Amen. Right? Here's a problem. I'm, I'm an earthen vessel. Man, my contents that God wants to put in me, that treasure, that's way beyond what, it, you know, way beyond what fits, right? That, that would fit more in place in a gold or in a silver. I'm just an earthen vessel. So where's the application here? And we've got to try to level up our vessel. I mean, we're not going to match it, but man, why don't we level up our vessel to try to try to get closer towards the contents that we're supposed to be serving up? Are you getting what I'm saying here? Am I making? Am I, I think I'm preaching to college students here. I'm not teenagers, so I'm hoping you're making the leap here. We want to we want to we want to just dumb everything down about ourselves, our life, our behavior, our speech, our talk, our appearance. We want to dumb everything down to look like the world. When we understand, if you understand the value of what God has given you in the gospel. In the grace of God, being able to share that with our people as a vessel. And I, I, don't, I don't want to dumb down that contents by, by trying to just be the lowest common denominator vessel. Now, I know I'm not going to be able to be gold. But God, would you keep working on me to make me what I ought to be? Would you help me to level up, God? Help me to level up to try to at least get closer to match what the contents are. Yeah, they say the most expensive coffee in the world is a Kopi Luwak. Am I saying that right? Any coffee snobs in here? Kopi Luwe? I don't know. It's like it's like seventy dollars for like a for like eight ounces or something like that. Crazy expensive. But you know what? I guarantee the people that are buying that coffee, they don't drink it out of a styrofoam cup. Okay, they got even my brother's into this. Him and brother Opshendik, uh, my brother Josh, they buy these these coffee cups. I don't even. There's a certain brand or whatever, you know, and and this well known, right? There's a certain coffee cup, and the coffee literally tastes better out of them, supposedly, you know. I'm not to that level yet where I can appreciate that craftsmanship and that that fine, you know, palate. But what am I trying to say? You usually try to want to get it to match the contents in the vessel. So we're not going to dumb down the gospel. I mean, you can't decrease the value of the gospel. You can't decrease the power of the gospel. Let's try to live up. Let's try to help God, ask God, God, would you, would you do that purging thing? Would you do that sanctification thing on me here in college? Because I, I want to level up my vessel to be what you want me to be. Just because God says he's using vessels, 
That doesn't mean that I'm just gonna make myself the trashiest, dirtiest vessel around. Let's try to level up. Let's level up. I'm sure you guys, when you get engaged, you're gonna put that engagement ring in a plastic baggie and just hand it to your fiance and be like, will you marry me? I mean, come on, it's a nice ring. What, what's wrong with the ring? You dummy, it's what the ring is in. You gotta have a nice ring box, all right? Guys don't get it, we, we don't wrap gifts, we just hand it to them in a, plas in a paper bag, you know? But the lady, she wants, she wants that, why, you, you can even have a, a content, you can have a gift that's not so great, but if you got it in good wrapping, you already got, you know, you, you, you help, you help uh, get, get that value up a little bit. Now we don't gotta help the value of the gospel, we got that. But we ought to try to at least, we try to match or get closer to it. That's the first application. Second application, the reason a vessel gets filled so that it can be emptied. That's the only reason I got vessels in my house. I don't have them there to look at. I got them there to use them. I got them there because I want to put something in them, but when I put something in them, it's going to get poured out. You're going to pour it out of my mouth, pour it out into the teapot, pour it out into the coffee maker, pour it out into something. There's a purpose, there's a, there's a place where that, I'm intending to get that contents to. And to whomsoever much is given, whom shall much be required. What has God poured into your life? As a vessel. Think about what God has put into your life. It's not there for you to have some great, amazing, awesome life. Now, you will have an abundant, joyful life as a Christian if you live for the Lord. But that's not the reason he put all that in you. He put it in you to make you a vessel that can be poured out, broken and spilled out for love of you, Jesus. He gave us the ultimate example on the cross, didn't he? Pouring out his life for us. And what has he put into you? That verse right there is why I surrendered to go into ministry. Unto whomsoever much is given. I said, God, there's things I want to do. There's stuff that I feel like it's not going to be, it's not a sin to do these things I want to do. I'm going to be faithful to church. I'm going to serve you. But God, you put so much into me. You've given me so much. How can I take that and just let it be wasted? God, I, I, I need to use that. So maybe you're, maybe you're here, you're thinking, man, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But you're forgetting God has a purpose for the vessel. It's to be used. It's to be used. What shape is your vessel in? I'm not saying it's going to match the contents because we can't. We can't get it to that level. But we're trying. We're, that's called sanctification. We're trying to get there. What needs to come out? What has God been trying to purge out of you? You've been fighting. Maybe God's using a staff member. Because God, you know, God's not here in flesh. But maybe God's using a staff member who sees something that needs to be purged, trying to get you to that point, And you just, mm, just rebelling against them. And that's actually part of the process of what God's trying to do to get you to the point he wants you to be, the vessel he wants you to be. And you have no idea, five years from now, ten years from now, having, having that vessel in the spot, you know, you didn't even make sense at the time. Why was God doing that? Why was God making me that, 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 that size, that shape, that color, that, that material? Why was God forming me the way he was forming me? And then ten years later, oh, that's why he did it. Because that's going to work perfectly for me being able to be used in this way. Man, what a wonderful God we have. Let's not, let, let's not hinder his work on us so that way his work can keep getting done. A vessel, a simple word is a vessel. Praise the Lord, amen. Ain't that right? And that's some good stuff. Please tune in again for another Maverick Message.